It's no surprise that updating the electricity grid today will make for a better tomorrow. Increased self-sufficiency is just one of the benefits. The Great Grid upgrade will also boost the economy and create new green jobs. And best of all, you can continue doing the things you love, like watching the latest epic nature documentary or listening to this podcast while caring for the planet too. Find out more at nationalgrid.com. If you're thinking, I should go for a run today, but it looks like it could rain, Sierra says save on epic rain jackets. If you're also thinking, but I can't go out in these beat-up old running shoes, Sierra says save on top brand running shoes. And if you're still thinking, but I'm also busy performing brain surgery, well, then we say you really should have led with that. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store, like now. Go! This episode is brought to you by Smart Food Popcorn. Some decisions aren't the best, like skipping ahead in your favorite podcast. Think of all the banter you'll miss, the lore in the making. Luckily, Smart Food Popcorn is a no-brainer. Deliciously tasty and available in a variety of fun flavors. It's a smart decision every time. Smart Food. Add smart. To learn more, visit smartfood.com. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and 6-1 since that matters and what do I even say other than hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. You're listening to the podcast the Nature and Countryside podcast from BBC Country Farm magazine. Um, my name's Fergus Collins. I'm your host. And this is the last episode of our first season of 2023, which is all about sort of mindful escapes into nature. And so every week we try and get out and bring a bit of joy, peace, relaxation and immersion in nature to you. And this is quite a special one for me because I'm on my doorstep here where I live in Abergavenny. And... I'm meeting someone who is heading up a project locally to try and bring nature and wildlife and all the joys of the wild outdoors. I've got to stop here because there's a, the first chiff-chaff of the year has arrived. You can hear it in the background. What a joyful... So you can tell right at the beginning of spring, mid-March. Anyway, I'm meeting this wonderful person who's heading up a project called Nature Isn't Neat. And it's a... Monmouthshire County Council initiative to bring a bit of wildness to our parks and public spaces. It's sort of how we bring the countryside into our everyday lives because not all of us can get out as often as we'd like into the wild outdoors. Anyway, I'm hoping to meet you. Elliot, lovely to meet you. Lovely to meet you, Fergus. Um, thank you for coming out on this sort of very mixed day <laughs> in uh, Abergavenny. Bit of sun. We've got a bit of sunshine, but I expect some rain in a minute. Um, Elliot, congratulations on this amazing project, Nature. Nature isn't neat. Uh, yes, thank you very much. Uh, I'm Elliot, the uh, project officer for Nature isn't neat. It's quite a wide-ranging project, so um, we work across the whole of Gwent. Um, it's part of the Gwent Green Grid. So we're working with Monmouthshire Council, Caerphilly, Torvine, Blinder Gwent and Newport. So those are all the councils that... Sort of make up Gwent? Yeah, so it's sort of the southeast Wales 
area. Um, so it's quite a large, large area and population. And what's the essence of this project? So the essence of Nature's and Neat really is just to be and be able to allow nature to take back its place sort of where we live, where we work, um, to let it reinvigorate itself by us being less neat, <laughs> more, less tidy, um, letting the plants grow, letting the pollinators forage on wildflowers. Um, so this is with all these councils. So the councils have recognised that we've got a deficiency of a lack of nature in our... We're in, we're in Abergavenny. You can hear the traffic around. Yeah. So it's quite a... You know, we're not out in the wild here. A lot of people, 15,000 people live in Abergavenny. Yeah. Uh, but we, the councillors acknowledge that that's, that's an issue. Yeah, so it's been part of their statutory duty for sort of several years. Um, and as part of that, you know, they own a lot of public land, which they previously were managing sort of uh, without nature particularly in mind. So areas to be mown or tidied uh, very frequently. You know, things are mown sort of every two weeks or so. Yeah. Um, and that was happening across well, the whole of the UK and has been done for decades. So people are used to that, aren't they? So like, yeah. tidy up everything, mow it, that is, keep it neat and tidy, nice yeah. trimmed, trimmed lawns. That's the sort of standard picture of what people expect to see as they walk around sort of their towns and villages. Um, whereas, order. Order, <laughs> order, not chaos, and not wild. Um, and part of the project really is trying to bring back the wildness whilst still maintaining the usability the recreational areas, keeping visibility along roads and paths, so it, their sort of green spaces can work for nature and for people. So you mentioned roads there. So th this, is, this isn't just park. We're in a park here. We're in a place called Linda Vista Gardens. Mm -hmm. um, but the, so it's parks, road verges. Yep. Uh, road verges. Sorry, primrose. First yep, primrose a couple of the primroses. So we're going <laughs> to. We are going to be looking out for signs of spring <laughs> as well. That's lovely, lovely. So just in a little sort of. A nice untidy border here. Yeah, and that sort of mixture of a bit of untidiness, there's some sort of hedging, some trees, that sort of um, border between the sort of grassland and the hedges and trees is really where you get a lot of wildlife. Yeah, uh, this is nice. So this is the edge of the, the sort of grassy area. But what's... Now, hold on a minute. Now, do you know what's been nibbling this? Is this, is this a daff? That is a daff, yeah. Yeah, so not in flower yet, but what... What's been nibbling that? That's weird, isn't it? It is a bit weird. I'm not sure. What it would be. They're quite unpalatable to fair. <laughs> yeah. Rabbits and yeah. might have been some uh, children playing, or oh, maybe. <laughs> so okay. maybe a dog Nib might have nibbling. It's all over. very even. Um, so yeah, back to that. We, we, it's parks. It's yeah. gardens. It's um, it's road verges. Road verges. It's any patch of grass which is outside your, you know, house or housing estate. Uh, big fields. Uh, really, is from the little patches of what people will consider to be fairly useless bits of grass yeah. up to big spaces. And those small patches really add up to quite a large area and connect up lots of the patches of really good habitat so they can create little stepping stones. So if you're a bumblebee, you can hop from one patch of wildflowers to the next and you can cover the whole of Abergavenny without having to sort of stay in your local area. Yeah, there's, no, there's all these deserts of concrete and yeah, Tarmac's gardens and that sort of thing. Um, so, and what form does do these projects take? Because at the moment, Linda Vista is very, it's quite muddy underfoot, isn't it? <laughs> and uh, you know, we've got lovely. You know, it does look like there's nice little rough, rough patches, but it's it's quite orderly at the moment. It's sort of late winter. A lot of it is is sort of determined by the 
um, the operative teams, the grounds teams that work in the councils. So they obviously manage public land and green spaces. Um, and what the project is doing is encouraging them to collaborate and coordinate so that there's a sort of consistent approach to man management across the whole of Gwent. So if you're in one part of Abergavenny, you can walk along a park like this and you'll have wild flower patches and so messy hedges. So left, the, the, this grassy area will be left to grow long? Yeah, so grassy areas left to grow long for the wildflowers. Um, some areas will be mown for paths so people can walk through. Or well, that just looks lovely. I mean, when you've got a path through yeah. a path, like for me, I think that's one of the most beautiful things in a formal garden. It really does set off the difference and really sort of brings it to mind what the purpose of leaving the sort of the longer grassy areas is, because I think if it was all left, people would assume it's just sort of gone to wilderness. Gone to wilderness. Oh, whereas it couldn't be anything worse than that. <laughs> <laughs> well, as ecologists, that'd be great, but you know, places are going to work for people as well, and it's that sort of contrast which really makes it look. I'm just meeting some dogs. <laughs> uh, before we go on, yep. is, this, is this blackthorn? No. What is this? This you... is cherry plum. Cherry plum. Okay. So it's slightly uh, different. It's a similar uh, plant, but if you can look here. You can tell it's cherry plum. If you look at the back of the flowers, mm. see these green sepals? Oh, yeah. They'll point backwards if it's cherry plum rather than blackthorn. Ah, OK, because it's, it's an it's a early white blossom. Yeah, and, early white uh, blossom, and they can be quite tricky to tell apart. Oh, it's good to have a blossomist with me. I've <laughs> been shamed in the past by, by my birds I'm good at. I can hear all the sort of goldcrests, and we've had a chiff-chaff, and there's blackbirds, there's a chaffinch back there, but no, great. We'll um, just... Anything you spot, point out to me. Cause I'll yeah, be, uh... I'm, on, I'm on the lookout. <laughs> um, so, uh, so we've got the grass growing, mm. yeah. um, which is sort of part of that no mow may sort of thing. Is that a kind of part of? Yeah, that feels like that was that's inspired a bit of this leaving lawns and grass to grow it's, a bit. It was definitely one of those things that really started to change the attitude of of people um, and sort of organisations, and that was how it start, started in different council areas sort of five or six years ago, they started in Noma May areas. Um, and then when COVID hit and everything got left and grow, basically. Yeah, because the, the people redeployed. People were redeployed. Yeah. Obviously, it's not the top of their priority to be mowing vast areas of grass. Uh, no, although some people did think it <laughs> well, was their priority. I, I know that. Yeah. Um, so, but because everything was left to grow, suddenly it, we've gone from sort of small patches, little trial areas, to everything suddenly the, the sort of the barrier was set quite high in what you could achieve that so must have been quite exciting for you then it was exciting and it was sort of i think if that hadn't have happened we probably wouldn't be quite as far along as we are now right gosh that's that is exciting because i think i mean you said it's part of the council's statutory obligation mm. we're all those of us who work in the sort of countryside wildlife sphere uh, are aware of kind of these terrible declines of yeah. wild isles the other night they mentioned, it was Attenborough, mentioned that it was a 60% decline in winged insects in the last 20 years. Yeah, so that's, that's quite worrying. Because you think if, terrible. If, if they've already declined quite a lot up to that point, mm. an extra sort of 60% in the last 20 years is yeah, quite a lot. Yeah, horrific, horrific. So we're just not seeing a flying insect. Oh, no. What are we, so, so this is a lesser celandine, so which is, um, they sort of come out in quite big carpets of yellow flowers at this time of year. It's lovely. They're really, really nice. They're, they're the proper sign of spring. I know you get snowdrops, but as soon as the less celandines are out, then it's 
then it's all, all systems go. Feels like a proper spring day today, actually, doesn't it's it? It's quite mild, sort of, yeah. So after all the kind of very, very cold and, and wet weather, this, yeah. is, this is lovely. So my local park, I noticed that change. Um, <clears throat> I live near a small park called Belgrave Park, and I noticed the changes during lockdown. It was incredible. Suddenly, the grass was long. Mm. There were butterflies, bees. We had linnets, flocks of linnets came into the park. It was great. <laughs> they were feeding on the seed heads. And so are you planting trees as well? Or are you planting yeah, so hedgerows? Or? Part of the project is, yeah, a bit of, bit of tree planting, a bit of hedge planting. Just create that sort of diversity of habitats, sort of restoring features that have been lost over the years or bringing back native plants where we've planted um, non-native sort of ornamental plants in the, in the past. And it's, it's, it's quite interesting working with all the councils because they've all got their slightly different management structures and ways of working with their grounds teams. So it's sort of trying to marry them up to a consistent approach yeah, yeah, yeah. across sort of quite diverse so region. that's quite, we've got this blackbird singing here in the sunshine, just sort of, <laughs> isn't that? That's fantastic. It's my childhood evenings out mm. in spring. Um, so that's quite a challenge, and marrying together lots of different management. But also, Gwent is a very varied yeah, region, it's, it's socio-demographics are. Absolutely. You know, we've got, how has it gone down with, with each, each area? It's, it's definitely different, different, different reaction in each. Um, some, some councils were started it a bit earlier, so they've had a bit more buy-in from the public early on, whereas um, in some communities... Oh, it's come the other side, sorry. Just the wind came, coming off the meadows there. Sorry, say that again. So some communities um, haven't had too much of it of the management change yet, but us, they're sort of on board now and coming into it. So you do get a different reaction in each area, and it's quite a different landscape in quite a lot of towns and cities so yeah. like an old market town like Abergavenny the look and feel of it is quite different to a lot of green space a lot it? of green space um, older buildings where maybe a messier or more nature filled approach maybe doesn't contrast as much or you've got a, a new town like Cambran which is has more sort of tower blocks um, and then sort of wider green spaces in between those it has an amazing park Cambran yeah, absolutely amazing absolutely park with the river running through. yeah oh, it's absolutely yeah one of the best parks uh, that I know in South Wales. It's, it's, yeah, very impressive. It runs right through the sort of centre of the, city, of the town. Um, but then also we've got Newport, which is a major urban centre. Mm. Oh, that falls within the nature of the... Yeah, that's part well. of the project as well. Okay. So that's a different, completely different place altogether. Because obviously there's less green space in the centre, but they yes. do have quite large parks as Bell, part of... Bellevue. Bell, yeah. Bellevue Park. Yeah. Okay. Um, so they like to manage their, because they've got such large areas, they'll manage their land with basically big tractors. So, oh, okay, good. so yeah. at the end of the summer, when all the fly, wildflowers have seeded and you know, they've let go and the pollinators have finished, um, finished their colonies, then they'll come in with big tractors and mow it down and take off the cuttings. Uh, in smaller areas like Linda Vista, there's sort of mower, mower collectors, which will mow and collect the cuttings at the same time and take them off. Um, so it's different challenges for different sites as well. And the, the, the biggest challenge, well, with my local park, I've been aware of some opposition to mm. the... I don't, I don't use, I'm not going to use the term rewilding. It's just bringing a bit of nature into yeah. a previously quite barren area. Um, what, are, what are the biggest sort of 
objections that you've come across to this project? Because I think there have been objections, definitely. Yeah, well, it's, it's quite... Quite, quite organised. Yeah, and it, it's quite a big change in the way that people have been used to seeing their green spaces. So people have lived in areas for decades and suddenly it's changing the way that their community looks. So it's what we talked about earlier about people expecting it all to be manicured mm. and now it's not. Yeah, and if their expectations don't meet what they're seeing, then it's understandable that people will get um, sort of, you know, a bit put out by that. But the public has definitely come on board quite a lot. So the increasing support for it? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. When okay. it first started happening and the changes were first brought in, there was, um, you know, the council would get quite a lot of complaints, people saying, you're just trying to save money, or <laughs> yeah. you're trying... That's quite a good thing. <laughs> well, that's not... Cash-strapped well, councils, yeah. yeah. especially now, it's, it's yeah. definitely a plus. Um, but that was never been the... That's not the primary, driver. Never been no. the primary focus. It's always been about the nature of emergency, climate emergency, and well, human well-being. Do, do you find that, uh, yeah, I mean, that, I'd love to come on to the human well-being mm. thing uh, in a bit. The nature emergency, climate emergency, we mentioned the stats yeah. of wild hours, of insect declines. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm in my 50s. I, I've, anecdotally, I can see, I can see the changes. Mm. Um, but do, you know, people of my age and older, do, do they get it? Uh, or do you sometimes find that, that they're sort of like, I haven't seen it myself, or...? Um, the older generations do tend to be a little bit more resistant. Um, but they would have seen, maybe they don't have just some notice, but, I mean, I have seen, but yeah. then I am out in nature all the time, and so maybe that's the... I think it's the disconnect between, um, people, that people have between nature and their lives and their experience, which is the... the even the in towns like this, even in towns like this, where you're sort of in, mm. absolutely embedded in the Brecon Beacons, you've got the Usk, River Usk and the canal and woodlands and hills and nature reserves all over the place. Yeah. And, and without, there's sort of daily headlines about <coughs> the sort of... the sort of water quality in the Usk yeah, and yeah, why yeah, and yeah. things like that. You think that people would be happy to see more be done. And most people are. Mm. So we did a big survey of residents last year and 80% of them were happy with management changes and wanted to see that's a good, that's more a good and number, more yeah. areas managed for wildflowers and pollinators. That feels a lot more positive than some of the local uh, sort of yeah, opinion. Yeah, I, I think that the, what you get is you get small numbers of very vocal opposition. Um, and sometimes that can drown out the sort of silent majority of people who are quite like it and yeah. think it's a good thing to do haven't got the time to keep banging on at the council but um i mean i'm gonna just pose some of some of the uh i'll be devil's advocate <laughs> and i'm gonna ask you some of these uh one is uh it's untidy well we took we dealt with that one uh, another one was that it increases vermin that's a really common one that yeah. we get and there'll be more rats yeah rats so, is the rats is the big one that yeah. people try to throw out it doesn't because Rats don't live in wildflower meadows. <laughs> it might increase the number of voles, yeah. bank voles and field voles, but they're quite a nice, I really like quite them. small yeah, mammal, yeah, and yeah. they feed owls like them. Yeah. Exactly, they feed, feed feed the owls, which everyone loves. Um, so that's a common one we get. So we could get more voles. So we could get more rodents. So people might sort of go, oh, there's yeah, but but uh, ro- uh, let's but not, just not confirm that harm that us. They're not a they're not a no, problem for no. rats. We can accept there are some issues there, but uh, so likely to be caused by. Um, by a sort of wild yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Okay, um, so next one is, uh, oh, it's, you're taking away play areas for um, kids. So that's all of the existing parks, uh, sports pitches, they all get mown as normal to make sure they're free to play in. Uh, and we also then mow sort of little circles and little recreation areas and paths through the wet meadows. Oh, there's a butterfly. Oh, uh, peacock, is it? Honestly. And it's just going onto that um, oh, yeah. blossom there. Uh, oh, it's a small, to uh, small tortoiseshell, I think. Is it or is it a red admiral? Let's get a bit closer. That's yeah. oh, a red admiral. Oh, yeah, right yeah. Oh, difficult though. Mm. Now, this is a cherry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's easier. It's pinkish blossom. Some crocuses coming. Croc lovely, yeah. yeah. That's amazing. We've got a red admiral. First butterfly of the year for me yeah, as well. And me. Chiff chaff. First butterfly. This is exceptional. It's a proper, good, good proper day. Yeah, yeah. Now, I feel like we're on a quest now. <laughs> okay, so um, so people worried about kids losing um, precious sports. Oh, one magpie. That's also not a great thing. I <laughs> <laughs> like to see two magpies on the podcast. Uh, so that that's all kind of ring fenced. The yeah. Uh, so all the existing you know normal play parks. They're all all the infrastructure is mown. Yeah. And then. What Two. the meadow areas? Three magpies. Oh, right, good. Okay, we're safe now. We can, we can keep going. Yeah. Um, the um, sort of natural play areas of creating little paths through meadows, and that mm. gives them a chance to explore places that they wouldn't might not be able to otherwise. So if there's a, a fun sort of natural play area in a park near their house, then where they can see nature, then I've noticed. That's great. I mean, again, this is anecdotal, so I don't have any strong evidence but I've noticed more children in amongst the long grass mm. uh, and my son definitely likes to play Nerf Wars <laughs> those Nerf guns which I think are horrendously dangerous looking things but anyway he, he and his friends do commando and they can't do that in a pulled moan area no it's the thing about having just a big empty space it doesn't inspire much creativity does it no, well I don't you've... feel very happy in that big empty space without some sort of no. wilder nature well, it's only if you've got something with some shape and some colour and some wildlife if you've got butterflies that are flying past then that's going to draw your attention and inspire you to to play in that space yeah 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 i, I mean def that was my childhood but I, I, you talked about disconnection and mm. perhaps having more wildlife and wilder elements in our towns yeah might actually hope with, help with that connection but absolutely um, and that's 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 with those if we can you know get those little patches of grass near people's houses. Yeah. That's really where the people can see it on their doorstep and they can walk out their house in the morning, see a butterfly, see some wildflowers, and that restores that connection. That's wonderful. Okay, the uh, next one is um, dog poo in the long grass. Well, one, as we always say, it's an offence to uh, not pick up your dog poo. Anywhere. Anywhere. Yeah, it's just harder to find it in the long grass. I know some people, I know I'm a dog walker, but it's a squirrel on the nuts here. There's uh, bird feeders here, but the squirrels managed to plunder. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so there's, there's going to be an issue there, I think, with people not being able to find the dog poo that they've... Yeah, although dogs... Um, we did a sort of uh, little survey a couple of years ago and just between the sort of short grass and the long grass areas. And um, I don't think dogs particularly like going on, on, the, long grass. on the long grass because... Why would you if there's some shorter grass which won't yeah. get in the way? Okay. So these little purple flowers here, these are spring squill. Spring squill. Is that a wildflower or is it a... Is it's it a, a, 
planted bulb, so it's um, it's not native, but it's quite good for pollinators. There's some honeybees actually just up the oh, top gosh, of there. Good spot. There they are, and they like the spring squirrel. Yeah. Okay. The, all these spring bulbs, you know, they're really good for for early pollinators, which are coming out this time of year. It's cold. There's not that much food around, so plants like this are fantastic. This is a whole bank of it. It's not particularly formal. Um, it's actually it's very beautiful. Mm. No, it's I, nice. I, I, Aesthetically, it's hard to object to this sort of... <laughs> it's really beautiful. That's, um, that's where like a part like this is, is good, great yeah. for nature, because you've got that mixture between the formal planting, which can be great for pollinators as well. Yeah, oh, um, that's probably worth addressing, that quite a lot of formal planting and, and yeah. non-native plants do the job. In fact, this whole bank below us looks like someone's just... This whole bank below us looks like someone's just sort of dug it over or uh, it's about to be planted. So there's so, yeah. plenty of room for... And it feels like my local park could have more formal planting as well, if you know what I mean. Yeah, we, as, part, as part of the project, we're trying to move away from the um, sort of pictorial wildflower mixes that quite a few councils used a few years ago. And to try to move to a more natural sort of regeneration. So yeah. using, just by changing the management, allowing plants to grow, set seed, allowing the pollinators to pollinate the flowers... The wildflowers will naturally increase in number and they'll be native, they'll be locally adapted. They'll also have the local genetics, which is really important. So that's quite a big conservation concern is um, so preserving that local genetic diversity that's present in the wildflowers anyway. So there's not that many... I mean, OK, uh, I was going to say there's not that many great wildflower meadows here, but there is mm. an absolutely massive one within kind of yeah. stone of here, which is... Um, Castle Meadows, yes. which is a sort of flood meadow, which yeah. is quite a seed bank then for the whole area. Yeah, exactly. So that, there's, we've lost a lot of wildflower meadows. It's about 97% since the Second World War. So we've, yeah. we really, really have lost a lot of wildflowers from the wider landscape. But there are still pockets there. And we can use those pockets to sort of reinvigorate and regenerate the natural um, genetic diversity of wildflowers, bring them into towns, cities and villages. Because those wildflower mixes that mm. you mentioned are spectacular and it must be very tempting to kind of just go straight <laughs> to that it is and and it was well intentioned using them years ago I, but it kind of gave people the wrong impression of what a, oh, right, a yeah. proper wildflower meadow this would look like alpine meadow this is a, this is, this yeah is a, British a, lot, a lot of them will have lots of california poppy and oh, things yeah, like that okay, and yeah. they do look great and if you're in your garden somewhere like this not so bad but we wouldn't want to go tearing up verges and planting them natural wildflower yeah so it's going to take time i mean i yeah. it's been 2019 i think was the first year my local park mm. and, and there was a lot of grass that yeah. grew long i mean i really like all the variety of grasses it's quite yeah. clear that there is a natural variety you know, it's mm. not boring rye grass but some knapweeds came through and lots yeah. of uh, yarrow mm. and some other other bits but not tons of different plants there's a few no. over the four years probably half a dozen more have crept yeah. in but for those wanting quick fixes or just or who might say to you Elliot there's not, not really you said there's <laughs> going to be full of wildflowers it's it's going to take time yeah. yeah it does take time and there's some of the native um, wildflowers which are a little bit less showy you know, they don't have huge, huge flowers which are particularly colourful, yeah. but they're the, you know, often the ones that are best for nature. And that's really what the focus has got to be. Yeah. Um, 
and also it's good for the climate emergency so native plants allowing them to grow produce longer roots they store more carbon in the soil mm. so if you're sowing of seed mix every year you're plowing up that soil to sow your seeds down you're releasing loads of carbon then so by ma- just by managing every year leave it how it is the diversity will increase it might take a while yeah. although um, i mean the dandelions in the buttercups in the yeah. park are unbelievable when yeah. left i used to I used to break my heart when the mower would come in, <laughs> just as the dandelion, and they, they learn dandelions, yeah. and they grow closer and closer to the ground, but nothing better than a proper handsome dandelion and buttercup meadow it's, in it's, April. It's, it's changing that mindset from seeing dandelions as a, as a weed yeah. to dandelions as a wildflower. I think and you've got fantastic decades of, <laughs> decades of uh, you know, I'm convinced, but, but, but of course it's, there's another, it's not just nature that benefits from this, uh, and that's kind of, kind of crucial. It's, us it's, yeah absolutely and that's part of the project really is is engaging people with nature and um, you know there's been loads of studies that have shown the mental health benefits the well-being benefits um, can lower your blood pressure so they're seeing 10 minutes of nature each day calms you it um, makes you feel connected to the world um, so yeah the benefits are massive to mental health uh, and well-being especially for people who are maybe less physically able and can't access some of the wilder sites out in the wilderness. That's a good point, yeah, because it's actually quite strenuous efforts to get into some of the... Bre- yeah, I mean... Up onto the Broken Beacons or some of the valleys. Here. Exactly, you know, nature reserves can be quite far away or mm. you know, tucked away down a long, sort of long path or something. So if it's nature on their doorstep, then you know, we can bring a bit of nature back into people where they can give them that, that sort of boost to their... Their well-being. So do you take the objectors around for a walk, and by the end of it, they're totally they're, they're feeling all chilled. <laughs> they're smiling out and, and, and yeah, shaking oh, my hand. Yeah. Your point, Elliot. Yeah, well, uh, well, I've felt, you know, walking around here, seeing yeah, all those signs of spring, I feel really uplifted. And it's kind of a you know, dark days of winter behind us. And that that showed through in our results from our survey. The people responding that you know just seeing nature near them made them feel happier, and that's that's a great thing, really, isn't it? That alone is a good reason to do mm. this. Absolutely. The benefits from wider biodiversity are tremendous. So communications has mm. been a key part of this as well as the practical um, yeah. projects. Yeah, so you been. can't just turn up, or well, the opposite of turn up for us, don't turn up, <laughs> <laughs> don't mow it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, you've got to talk to people, you've got to promote it, you've got to have events. So we've got a big event in May uh, oh, called well, Go Wild. So which, what's that? So we'll have a big sort of celebration in Bailey Park. Which um, is the big, probably the biggest park in Abergavenny. Yeah. Is every town going to have this celebration, or is this particular uh, Abergavenny? There is one in um, Park Brimbach in Tredegar. Tredegar, yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, but we've got one here in Monmouthshire, where we're just going to have a great celebration of pollinators, wildflowers. And when is that for people? If they, uh, That's on the 20th of May. 20th of May. So yes. come along in Abergavenny. <laughs> if you're in the area, it's also a great opportunity to come and explore this brilliant part of the world. But uh, yeah, definitely. come and support, because... I know most listeners to the podcast will be very supportive of projects like this, mm. bringing nature into into kind of our everyday lives rather than having to go hunting for it in the, yeah. in the world. That was, I mean, not to labour the negative comments, but that was another comment that I had said to me was, well, we've got enough nature out in the Brecon Beacons. <laughs> we don't need to bring it into the town. And, I mean, I, you know, well, what would your answer to that be? For someone like Abergavenny, there is a lot of nature around, but there's not a lot of wildflowers in the wider landscape at all. So no, there, really there's, not. There's no. a there's a conception there that out there is lovely fields of, you know, 
lovely wildflowers where cows are sort of walking through long grass and stuff, but that's not really the reality of what I our landscapers... any, apart from the castle meadows, I can't think of any within two or three miles of the town. There's about 10 or 12 in yeah. the whole of Monmouthshire for right. a big, big rural county. And those are all nature reserves now, presumably. Yeah, exactly, they're triple yeah. size, so they're protected. Um, so they're, they're really not in the wider landscape at all. So every sort of square metre of good wildflower ha habitat we can create here it makes a massive difference. It's just, well, it's a really exciting project. And what are the next steps? Because I think we've almost come to the end of uh, um, what's happening next. Well, every year we'll keep managing as we do. We'll cut it at the end of the summer. Even more neglect. Even more neglect. <laughs> more neglect in more places. That's yeah, what we want yeah. to see. Um, and then we'll be continuing with promoting. Uh, this year we're going to launch a monitoring volunteering scheme so people can get involved with some citizen science. How, and how do, is there a, is there a website or something that they, yeah. people can go to, to? So if they go to Nature's and Neat on the Monlife website, um, they can sign up to be a citizen scientist where is, they can... Is that right across Gwent? Right across Gwent, so all parts of Gwent, yeah. So the Monlife Mon Life website. website. Okay, we'll put all the details in the, in the programme notes. But. And we'll be asking people to do some quick 10-minute uh, surveys, just looking out for wildflowers in, on their local patch of green space so whether that's a verge whether it's a park like this anywhere they can go do a 10 minute survey tick off a list of what wildflowers they've seen send that back to us and we can track that change and over camp, the coming years camp, that's brilliant what a wonderful thing mm. and, and the more engagement you get with sort of people like pe people who've got this sort of interest yeah. and, and that, that should, should sort of infuse mm. the wider community what about if people will spot a, an area they think should be uh, wilder. Um, best thing to do, touch? yep, is contact your local authority. Um, go straight to their website. They'll have some comment page where you can send a message and say, "Oh, we'd quite like this area to be left mown, mm. left unmown." Um, so, so that's um, yeah. So, I mean, we've been talking just about Gwent, but what mm. about the? I mean, wider Wales and, and, and Great Britain. Do the other councils? Yeah, have these projects. Yeah, so there's been a few councils around the country that have um, been leading the way as well. So Dorset Council, they've been. Um, quite pioneering in their approaches. Uh, Denbyshire up in North Wales. Quite a lot of the councils right now are all sort of getting on board, yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. But get in contact with the council, you know. That's the way push, to do it. Yeah, got to keep pushing them. Cause, see a bit more nature on your doorstep. Yeah. It does bounce back really quickly. That was just it amazing is. to see yeah. what was turned up in this, frankly, it's a square bit of green, mm. the local park to me. But it, it's, you know, your project has brought loads more bird species but tons of bees and butterflies yeah. when it's even just the, even just the long grass itself mm. you can hear grasshoppers which just would not be there at all if it wasn't. it's amazing how they get there yeah but brilliant well elliot what a brilliant project and how exciting to be kind of leading the charge <laughs> and how a positive nature story we cover a lot of you know, there's a lot of loss and negativity yeah. about britain's nature but this could be a turning we're, point we're, we're bringing some back yeah fantastic mm. So I've just bumped into Nadia here, who, uh, who you, do you own this cafe in the I park? I do, yes. Lovely. Um, and we've been talking about bringing more nature into the park. How, how, do you, how are you finding it? It's been wonderful. It's been really great. It's been um, interesting to see how it's progressed because I've been here for three years now. Um, and it 
yeah, it's been interesting to watch it develop. It's always fun when they cut the circles into the grass. Like um, the pathways. The, the pathways. Sort of things, exactly. Yeah. And um, yeah, the first time that it was done, I didn't know that they were doing it. And so I came in one morning and there were all these circles in the grass. And I was kind of like, oh, wow, you know, have we had an alien invasion? <laughs> um, Crop but, circles, yeah. 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 And then watching, because there's a lot of young children that come to the gardens. And so, you know, watching them run and weave in and out of the park is always really lovely um, yeah it's been fab so having the longer grass and the wildflowers is a, is a positive thing for the path oh absolutely path. yeah I mean it, it just it adds a bit of interest to it you know it's quite it's quite um, almost artistic in a way the way that it's um, cut into the you know the patterns that it makes um, and I think it just offers a, a, a point of you know Certainly, because there's so many young people here, it's it's there's a playful aspect, playfulness that it brings yeah. to the gardens. So they like playing in the long grass and yeah. around those paths. Yeah, absolutely. That's a positive thing. Yeah. Yeah. This is a lovely cafe. Oh, thank Definitely you. Come here if you're in Abergavenny for a for a coffee. It's um, in fact, I might have one now. Oh. <laughs> Thanks, Nadia. Thank That's you. Lovely to hear. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. And that was just a lovely little walk in my local park, one of my local parks, with Elliot Waters of the Nature Isn't Neat project, uh, sponsored by the, the counties that make up Gwent and uh, Monmouthshire County Council in particular. Plus, we had all the lovely joys of spring to wander around with, and just marvellous. And talk of joys of spring, joined in the podcast studio by the regular podcast team of Hannah and Jack. I hope you're inspired by... The project's going on in my local. So inspired. Absolutely gorgeous. Yeah, it's great. I mean, it's just, Jack, do you have anything like that happening around your way? There's a bit of it. I think it's better than it was. But I think it's it's taking these people that are pushing it forward. And I think soon more and more will start to sort of realise the benefits. And It's been it. an interesting journey. I know well, you could hear Elliot talking there about some of the challenges he's faced, but he's relentlessly optimistic, also incredibly young. So I don't know what it is. Being out in nature keeps you, keeps you young and fresh. But I was, he's got a really optimistic. And I have, in my very local park, there's been a bit of, uh, opposition to certain sort of letting them letting the grass grow long and planting trees and just having a few butterflies and bees. And we talked about some of those some of those problems uh, that people perceive to be happening. What's the alternative? I mean, do we? You know, we, we we've been watching Wild Isles and we've and we've we all know those of us who love the countryside and get out, about the declines of all these such you know, the things that are precious that do jobs for us as well as making our lives more interesting, more beautiful. But unless we do something on a local level, it's uh, we can't expect things to be done on a national level. That's my feeling. Hannah, is there stuff happening like that down in Gower where you, where you hail from? Yeah, we did have um, uh, an, unfortunate in, well, an unfortunate period where people were using weed killer to keep, kill the grass, then putting the wildflower seeds down, which sort of 
entirely defeated the object. <laughs> yeah, that's strange. Yeah. So what, 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 that was an official sort of what, yes. re, so reflowering. Yes, like cancel yeah. sort of strips of strips next to pavements for the most part where um, there were little green spaces. Um, but that's all improved now. It's all much, much improved. Yeah, Elliot touched on that, the whole idea of you want instant colour. So mm. you get all these seed mixes in which have Californian poppies in and all yes. sorts of non-native stuff. And it doesn't, it gives you one glorious or perhaps two glorious seasons of, of colour. And everyone goes, oh, wildflowers are glorious, aren't they? But our own native flowers take a while to come through. It's, yeah, it's sort of a weird PR thing because obviously people like the idea of having wildflowers. But then I guess during the rest of the year, it's sort of, an area of sort of weeds or that looks a bit like it's been neglected. So getting people to kind of understand that this neglect is actually a really important thing. It's kind of a thing that's doing something that is bigger than you can even imagine. Sort of Yeah, oh gosh, it's fundamental. It's abs this is the this is the thing. People don't like change. I think that's why Elliot also was talking about people don't like to see changes to something they've become used to and but the change that I don't like to see has been this loss of stuff, mm. the loss of you know, winged insects, bird life. I mean, there's still we're lucky where I live in where you live, and I'm sure Jack in your part of Gloucestershire, it's there's still there is still stuff out there to see, and we are we are, we we still have these. But it's so much, it's so reduced from what it was. What, what you. I hate to say, when I was a child, it's this awful sort of, or when I was a lad. I don't know why I did that in a northern accent. Um, <laughs> but in the space of my lifetime, you know, hundreds of thousands of turtle doves and nightingales, to name two sort of special birds, they've, they've basically gone. But in some ways, I think you're quite lucky to have had that experience as a child, to know now what things could have been like, what things are able to be like. I think there are kids now who don't have that knowledge they don't have their history they think of what they are experiencing now to be normal whereas that's sort of as a, a cultural forgetting of how rich everything once was because when just we're used to what we are experiencing every day yeah you say lucky I, I i know what you mean that i can see the baseline shift it's also just agony <laughs> yeah no i mean i mean you're in a better yeah. position than say say me and jack who kind of yeah who are, who are, who are basically near to grasshoppers <laughs> and, and, and little tiny tiddlers tadpoles really compared to an old bullfrog like me <laughs> but um it's it's yes it's true and the idea so for me the idea of having turtle doves is sort of it's amorphous it doesn't really have a kind of anything i can pin it to it would be nice to have them but mm. like i don't really know why it's yeah. Whereas you, you know what it was like to have them and yeah, how it I'm, feels to have lost them. That's that's it. There's there's sort of it's, I think it's the butterflies that I I remember as a kid because you know, confession time. But I used to catch butterflies in a net and <sighs> I did know this about you and pin them into a collection. So when I was about between the ages of about eight and eleven, I had a butterfly collection. But butterflies were really common and we'd go off onto the commons and onto into the woods and I didn't catch anything particularly rare. But uh, And I don't look back on it in, sh in shame. I still have my butterfly net, but it hasn't been used for 40 years or so. But it was different and it also did help me get very close to these things and I've, I've probably saved more butterflies than I've killed for sure. <laughs> but um, <laughs> I hope so. But it's just that, that, that change and... 
So when it, when I go to uh, and, and occasionally we've we've been to places which are just so wildlife rich, you know, the pond is thronging with frogs and there's birds singing, there's wildflowers, and you think this is this is magic and it does something to your deep spirit. And I think the nature is nature isn't neat is the start of a really encouraging start to perhaps if people only understood the joys that it gives you, the fundamental joys. That's what Amir Khan was talking about last week, Dr. Khan, uh, that actually being close to nature physically changes you for the better. So good luck to Elliot. And you can find out more about the Nature Isn't Neat project. If you look at the Monmouthshire County Council website and type in Nature Isn't Neat, or just type in Nature Isn't Neat to Google. And if you're listening around the country and you know that's something to... If, it, if it's not happening in your area, to see what's been happening in Monmouthshire and whether that can be replicated. And, and you know, who knows? A great reflowering. Let's not call it rewilding. Let's call it reflowering and rebeing because it's not going back. It's not turning the clock back. It's just not wastefully destroying treasure. And if schemes like that are happening in your area, do let us know. We'd love to hear tales of revitalising little corners full of nature and parks, thronging with with flowers and bees so get in touch tell us your tales you can contact me i'm fergus my email is editor at countryfile.com uh, we love we absolutely love to get your letters and emails so do send them in about anything and also do send us your sounds we really love to get any recordings and as we enter spring as you heard there i was delighted that i got chiff chaff on first migrant of the year uh, delighted to get that on tape. Are you listening? Are you hearing things in your neighbourhood? Send them over because we'd love to play them. Talking of sending stuff in, the podcast Pigeon post has just come past yes. and dropped off a letter. <laughs> Excellent. Thanks Good. so much, Pigeon. Yeah, there he goes. Yeah, flap, thank flap, you. Flap, flap, flap. I've got a letter and a sound he's just dropped off. Go ahead. And this letter from Bradley. Hi, Bradley. And Bradley writes in to say, hello, I hope you're doing well. My name's Bradley and I'm originally from the south coast of England, but I'm living in Alberta, Canada, on the edge of the Rockies. I just wanted to thank you for your podcast and all the pleasure it brings me, especially during these long, cold winters. It provides me with the perfect escapism of feeling safe at home. As breathtaking as it is here, I miss the countryside, the coastline, and the comfort of walking around the forest without the fear of bears and cougars. I would love to hear an episode in Lyme Regis slash Charmouth, uh, where I grew up. Perhaps the sound of waves breaking on the cob and a walk over to Charmouth. Uh, and he's attached a field recording he took whilst camping at Silver Lake in British Columbia, which we can have a listen to now. Sounds very similar to here. Yeah, that sounds yeah, very sounds blackbird. Like blackbird. Yeah, 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 absolutely. I wonder, Bradley, if you can tell us what bird that is, because we think it's well, we must be of the blackbird family yeah. or thrush family, but who knows? It could be all sort. It could be anything, but it has that definite sort of wistful. Um, Lovely, thank you, Bradley. Sort and of familiar and unfamiliar at the same time. How weird! And there was that sort of strange atmospheric kind of whir, whirring, whirling noise behind. 
Brilliant. Loved that. In fact, I liked it so much. That's our sound of the week. <laughs> and so, I've, yes, we've got a book for you, Bradley, from the Plodcast Library, and it is called The Seafarers, A Journey Among Birds by Stephen Rutt. So it's it's really a wonderful adventure amongst Britain's amazing seabird colonies. And I hope it deal helps you deal with your, your longing for home hmm. because it's very beautiful. Also, uh, sorry. Please, may we also do a podcast in Lyme Regis? Well, we have good news for you. Hooray! And Bradley. Um, <laughs> because Annabelle, our regular podcaster, is going fossil hunting down on Char- in Charmouth Beach. What a legend. On the Jurassic Coast there on the, on Dors- in Dorset. So in search of dinosaurs and other ancient things. Well, that seems a pretty good place to finish this plod chat. Thank you, Jack. Thank you, Hannah. I, this is the last episode in our season, episode 12. So what are we doing next? We are taking a little break, but we are coming back in two weeks' time to do a roundup of the Wild Isles series between us. We're watching every episode, thoroughly enjoying it, and we're going to have a little chat about that. But our new season... Uh, season 16. Crikey. Oh, sort of spring escapes starts a little bit after that. So listen out. But we'll be back on the 11th and then we'll have some more news for you then. Thank you all so much for listening. Don't forget our sound escapes every Friday. Little audio postcards from the countryside. But for now, it's goodbye from me and the team. <laughs>